is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board. We're up to Series 6, Episode 9 for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. The dramas, Craig Hutchison of a... Newsroom, we're in full display on Monday of this particular week. You were in the Channel 9 studios when Peter Hitchener, quite possibly the most loved media person in the country, quite possibly ever, certainly when it comes to the the Melbourne slash Victorian market, on air had had a mild migraine. Now, he, as we speak today on the Tuesday morning, is is said to be okay, and that is the most important aspect of this. But uh, having you in the studio last night, I thought it was a good place for us to start today. The... The frantic nature of how that situation was dealt with, the extraordinary professionalism of Clint Stanaway to just come in within a 45-second window, as it appeared to me as a viewer, as I was last night, and then for Alicia Mewling to just come in and do the sport uh, reporting seamlessly, I can only imagine what was going on behind the scenes. Hello, welcome, good morning. Hello, Damo. What a big 48 hours at the Nine Network on the back of the alleged cyber attack as well. So I was there last night towards the end of the news and saw Hitch, and he was on the way home and had a migraine, was given great care by the network. Who so, so, so he's okay. I mean, that was reported yeah, as, came out by himself and the network last night, but you've spoken to him and that, that, that's important. As I left last night, yeah. he was uh, recovering with a headache great, and on the way home and in pretty good spirits having a, having a little bit of a laugh as well. And made his own way home even. And Hugh Nalen, the nine news director, showing great care and, yep. and empathy to him. And uh, so as recording this morning, we, we assume he's uh, fine. I'm hopefully he has a couple of days rest and, and recovers. Um, so we attacked this conversation in the spirit of his of that well-being condition yep. being when we we're thinking of him. He if there's an, I've said this to you before on the sound anymore, but if there's a nicer person walking Australian soil, mm. I'm yet to meet them. It's certainly not a nicer person in in media. I, I haven't met a nicer person in, in life. media. Yeah, in life, in life even in, yeah, end okay. to end. If, if there's a person more genuine, authentic, mm. and caring than Peter Hitchener and, and interested in points. Others. Point her or him out to me, yeah, um, because he's loved. And you saw how revered he was last night when he did feel a bit unwell. How worried the audience were about yes. him yes. in real time. So uh, he's resting, and we wish him well. Clint did a magnificent job, but th- that is frantic stuff. I mean, they obviously stuck to the allotted ad break, which is what in TV news three minutes, two minutes forty five. I don't know what it is, but it's not a long time, is it? It's not a five minute gap to somehow have care for Peter Hitchener to take him out of that seat and to get Clint Stanaway in, who would have been around the studio, obviously, ready, getting ready for sport, but to then just switch in and yeah. start reading news. I, I'd, I'd assume that um, he heard the news of at least the first two stories the same time as everyone else did when they came out of his mouth. He, he couldn't have had spent any time... Yeah delving into what the story was he was reading. And, and yet if that was your first experience of that nine years yeah. last night and you saw him first up, you would have thought, well, that's a, that's a really good news reader. What, what a fantastic yeah. achievement from him. He did, a, and, they, and they are blessed to have such great talent. Alicia's unbelievable, obviously. So talented, TJ and uh, and Clint and others. So all well and everyone involved. The, I don't know enough about what, what has happened. Yeah. Other, you do about the Sunday attack, the cyber what, attack on the Nine Network. what I've read, which has been confirmed by the business that there's an alleged cyber attack on their systems. It coincided, coincidentally or otherwise, with the under-attack investigation into Russia last night on primetime television. We know this is not the first time it's happened in Australia. There's been some other instances that I don't think have been well reported enough. It it didn't get the size of media that it would in somewhere like the US. If this Mm. happened in the US to a major media outlet, it'd be a monster story. 
I think all tools will be down on whose side you're on of the media spectrum. I, I don't think it's had the the outcry that it. This is a. <laughs> Have we been able to establish? And, and I'm like you. I'm only reading what uh, happened. And and again, I reckon some of that reporting too. Not not being critical of it because I'm getting more of depth of understanding of it through reading it. But I don't think anyone really knows Hachi. And I'm not having a crack at anyone trying to put it together. But when it comes to a cyber attack and the potential leading to it, reasonably concerning. Very concerning. I, I mean, I was, I was in there on the Sunday. Now our officers in Melbourne weren't anywhere near as hard hit as clearly what happened in Sydney that's yep. fully automated. Um, we were able to get a footy show to wear, and, and as a result of what had happened around the country, we ended up going national for what it's worth. But but every other network within the nine operations was suffering and couldn't get anything to air of any live nature. Yeah, it's a lot of people worked around the clock for the last 48 hours. It still looks like it's a fair way off being resolved. We saw We've seen lots of businesses go through it. We saw the tab systems go down in the spring carnival. There was something that happened there that didn't ever marry up with what was said publicly about that. I would choose to accept that to be true as well, that there was um, a deep issue of some description there. So There was a little fire apparently in a control room which brought down the whole network. That yeah. they, they said, now I'm a sceptic, I'm a cynic, I'm not buying that totally, Hutchie. You're generally cynical. But tell me how it works. I mean, you, you, you are exposed to this given you, you are a, a media baron yourself, and I don't use that term lightly, I am not. You head up a major media organisation. Do companies receive threats from the cyber attackers in advance and saying, hey, we, we've worked out a way in on your systems. We would like you to pay us this amount of money for us not to uh, use our skill set within your systems. And is it then a, a game of chess to either pay that money, to negotiate or around that money, or just to take the threat? I, is, is that the way it works? Because that's how I've had it put to me, not necessarily factually, Hutchie, but certainly anecdotally, internationally, that this that wouldn't be yep. that far-fetched a scenario. I, I haven't experienced it personally, Touchwood, but I would assume that to be true, that, that there's a version of that that has happened or, or does happen. And That's scary. And Scott Morrison... He made that famous press conference. Do you remember when he went out and said cyber attacks are going to be a huge issue? And he did. Get your cyber security in order. And he sort of sold Alarm as a, as a product. And people were kind of half sat back and half rolled eyes, I think. It's very real. When the attack is on democracy, mm. which this is a version of it, I guess, isn't it? Is it democracy or money? I don't know. I mean, I know they're sometimes intertwined. In fact, they're regularly intertwined. But... I don't know what's happened, but it's, it should be concerning to everyone what's happened. Yeah. Uh, hey, on, on a, sorry, you go. I was going to just move it on to something a bit less Can significant. We? Yeah. She whiz. It's 7.30 on a Tuesday. I'm dealing with cyber attacks. And- I reckon we're all, when it comes to watching sport, Hutchie, I reckon we're all sports-loving voyeurs. Would you agree with that? Yes. I mean, the, the reason we are watching is because we're not out there. I think that's pretty much the premise of watching elite sport. Not good enough to be out there. Uh, I, I was a sports-loving voyeur when it came to the situation that we're involved with this week in the AFL, when it came to Chris Scott, Geelong coach, uh, walking toward his opponents at quarter time of Friday night's game, the Brisbane Lions, and nothing happened. And I don't know whether I should be even saying I loved it, but I did love it, and I don't apologise for loving that drama. But I'm also cognizant of the imagery around it and the need to send a message down the rung, because you can't have it happening at suburban level, can you? And that's ultimately what does happen. That, that's pretty Roof. That's fact. That whatever happens at the high level, it eventually filters its way down. Strikes at the heart of our hypocrisy, this. Doesn't it? I'm a, I'm a hypocrite on this topic. Uh, absolutely at the heart. Of course it was a bad look for the game and shouldn't happen. But didn't it bring you closer to the television and oh. sit on the edge of your couch and get caught in the theatre and drama and the pageantry of the night and secretly love it? I get anyone who, like, you did. It was gripping content. Mm. 
a bad look for the game. You didn't love it so much when you had your own Scott Exchange, but that's all right. That's you, you had a whole different view. You didn't speak to me for three weeks afterwards, saying I'd manufactured the, the your version of the quarter time exchange. Let's just call it. I think it was a bit longer than With three weeks. And... We had them. <laughs> <laughs> three years. <laughs> you and Chris and Brad. Uh, so yeah, you love it when you're not involved. We're good again. That's all right. When the cobwebs at Halloween came out, you weren't so uh, so enamoured with the situation. <laughs> And, and, and I'm not going to get you to repeat that because you, you, you unfortunately relayed the, an incident there on a previous episode of the Sounding Board many years ago. Let's just say the role of um, Harris Andrews, Mitch Robinson and Chris Fagan was all three roles have been played by Damien Barrett on that occasion. And uh, the role of Chris was played by both Chris and Brad Scott. <laughs> And uh, yeah. that's the way that went down. But, <laughs> anyway, uh, back to Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was Friday night footy. There was drama. It was one of those. It felt like the old Channel Nine days of Friday night footy when they built such a story around the night, didn't it? Yeah. That it had lines. If if though happened as Caro reported, and, and, I, and I've got what, no do you know, what do you know about the exchange? Well, I, I didn't know about the the um, the extent of the Scott Chris Fagan exchange yeah. until Caro mentioned it last night. Now, how do we not have a camera? On that, Hutchie, and I don't want to make this a nine and seven thing, but how is a is a Friday night marquee time? How's the? Have we not seen footage of that, or at least at least a build up to that moment? If, if indeed the exchange happened behind a brick wall, so to speak, as as they made their way back up to the there's, boxes, there's different versions of what happened, but yeah. both both versions can see there was a heated uh, heated exchange. Um, Surely we got a report, camera on that. Caro reported that um, Chris Fagan was. Um, was lambasted about his age among one um, claim. And the Lions players were into Chris Scott. I think you wrote about the grand final Yeah, there, there was a reference to, again, let, let's not claim to know the exact words, but there was a question to, you know, a lack of courage, someone being weak. Those words get thrown around willy-nilly hundreds, hundreds of times a game. But the question of being weak so-and-sos was then put back on Geelong about what happened in the grand final, particularly in the second half. And that was, I think that got a reaction. Well, I guess it would, given well, that... did get a reaction. Given that Geelong had... Uh, dismantled Brisbane the week earlier in the prelim yeah. final. Yeah. So anyway, it's emotion is is great for the game. It's not a, a great look, and we understand the hypocrisy of that. Speaking of emotion, we talked last year during the pandemic. We we decided to explore a few themes. One of the things that we both discussed was this: Will we get some perspective back in our football media? Will we? realise how fragile life is, start to down tools a little bit on the petty rivalries, and will we find some common ground to coexist in the future in a better and more respectful way than we had? We, we discussed it last year, knowing full well we wouldn't, and we even went deeper last week saying we haven't. We've gone back to, to pre-COVID situations on every facet of our, uh, our working lives. And then we see it's round two, and it's a, me as a contact sport, more, I'd argue more than it's ever been. In the NRL, lines crossed. Storm complained to NRL Fox Sports over Bellamy bashing. I saw this. Now, now I'm, I'm mates with Paul Kent, who was the subject of this. Are you? Oh, well, working mates. Working Hang mates. On, don't, are you mates or you're not mates? Oh, I use the word mate very tightly. He's, he's not a mate, but I, I am a... You just I'm started a... saying you're mates with Paul Kent. Okay, I like Paul Kent, and as far as people in media go, I like Paul Kent a lot, Hutchie. I've got a lot of time for what he does. I've got a lot of time for him as a bloke, right? But you're mates, but you're not mates. Inverted commas, media mates. I want to know where you attacked the argument from. So let's let's agree, your mates. Okay. <laughs> the Melbourne Storm has sent an official complaint to the NRL and Fox Sports about the comments made by journalists working for the broadcast that were directed to coach Craig Bellamy. The Storm also sent a letter to club members defending the integrity of the coach. 
the storm and particularly Bellamy took made took offence to comments made by Damo's mate Paul Kent. <laughs> uh, it's all about the uh, tackling and the way they're being taught and coached. So um, they've gone hard, Melbourne Storm. They've got an ex-media person, Justin Rodsky, at the helm, ironically, and uh, Paul Kent's the target. Yep. Uh, and they're def- and they're defending Bellamy, who ironically they're trying to keep. So let's just put that on yeah. the uh, whiteboard as a yeah. as a as an angle here. Part two. When we get to both these simultaneously, uh, Mark Robinson took aim at you. Oh, we uh, last down there as well. Are we? Yep. In his regular column, uh, this is what uh, I'm trying to find. What you wrote? You, you hit back on the if and when on Friday, but he said that it, it is said. Here we are. Thanks, Jane. It is said the AFL's monitoring Barrett's commentary in his column. Fed up with Barrett's alleged criticism of the club in recent years, Mm. this is North Melbourne, in particular towards Chairman Ben Buckley and Archer, it prompted the club to privately complain to the AFL late last year. Mm. In light of the latest offering, the Kangaroos could be excused for believing the AFL is supportive of Barrett's stance. Mm. And that's because of your if and when. Yeah. What what was the line? Here it is. It is said. Yep. It, it is said the AFL is monitoring. Yep. What, what does that mean? It, it is said. It is said. Yep. Who said? Well, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It is said. Right. Let's, let's and, and I think it's fair to say, given two days later after that, and, and, I, and I, I needed to respond. Sometimes you try and let those things go. Actually, I needed to respond to that rubbish. So I then went harder on the topic in question, that being my criticism of, of um, North Melbourne Footy Club. Not, not, not for the sake of it. They gave me another reason to do so, given they had clearly had conversations around this situation. Um, so, look, I'm not being monitored just to sign off on that aspect of this Paul Kent issue you raised. I saw the, the Twitter clip last Wednesday night of you on the midweek rub where you intimated and said that Robbo had gone from ghosting Glenn Archer's columns to Glenn Archer ghosting his columns, which is a bold claim. Do you genuinely believe... I know, I know you had your tongue firmly in the cheek. You're suggesting that Glenn's shaping Mark's opinion through his columns. Do you genuinely believe that, or were you having a laugh? I think it's fair to say that that could be a scenario that would happen and has happened at times. You think that Robbo runs Glenn Archer's agenda. Glenn will be irate hearing that, and I don't think that's <laughs> fair on Glenn. <laughs> but you, you maintain that's what's happening. Yep. It's not unreasonable though if if they are um, if they are close and live nearby each other and do see the world the same way. That's okay. Mm. Oh, we all have people you, like you have. You've, you've, we've, we've we've all got people. We've uncovered like some of yours. Mick Mulder, that person has Glen Archer. We've all got those people. Actually, I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all right. That's just yeah. how journalism works at times. Yeah, but but, but I'm not. You're the one. But Glenn's entitled leading this conversation. Well, Glenn, you, you raised his name last week. I didn't. Glenn's entitled to. Have a view that's different to yours, and to feel defensive of his position, and to channel that through Robbo if he chooses to. Yep, yep. And Robbo's entitled to agree with that view. Isn't yeah, he? but yeah. do you think the public cares, and do you think that he needed to pitchfork that aspect of that into a well, story that I don't know what was was to do with anything to do with with anything at that point in time? Oh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit different. I, I think the public began to care. Yeah, I think they like the, they, they shouldn't, but they do. Um, so. Let's clarify. Back both, to both let's questions. talk about this above the, the yep. line of the specifics, if you can. The, the I'll give you a different take. Cl- on this. Clubs, clubs. I could have used another word there, Hachi. I'll say complaining. Clubs complaining to the to the games controlling body yep. 
about the aspect of certain journalists who work either for the for the games controlling body, as I do in, when it comes to my arrangement with the AFL, or working for the, a host broadcaster when it comes to Paul Kent, when yep. it comes to Foxtel and, by extension, the Daily Telegraph. So those complaints go on every single day. Yep. So it's not an event that North complain about you. I'd be disappointed if they didn't complain about you. Most clubs would at some point complain about you, and it would happen in the NRL as well. And here's how it generally goes. It doesn't It doesn't go like, I'm writing an official letter of complaint, and I need an answer, and you've got seven days to answer it. It, it goes like the regular and consistent calls between CEO and, and uh, league CEO and club CEO. And while I got you, your, what about your man Barrett? What about what he's written today? That's no, no, I, I think th- this storm one has... This storm one has, and I'd be—I would be surprised if the North one it's, hasn't happened. Not necessarily this year, by the way, but potentially, well, certainly in the past. Yeah, it, I mean, Storm have gone far enough to to write. That's a heightened level of it. But the complaints go on regularly and frequently because mm. if the clubs had their way, should they just harden up the clubs? Well, if the clubs had just the- harden up and get on with it and deal with you. I mean, do you think do you think Justin Rodsky writing to the Melbourne Storm members? Highlighting their support of Craig Bellamy is is going to change a Melbourne Storm's members' view on on anything about Craig Bellamy. You're missing the subject of the pitch demo. He's not it's pi- imagery. He's not pitching the members. But do you think Craig Bellamy's going to care for it either? Yes. No, I don't. Craig Bellamy has either made his decision or not made his decision to leave that football club, regardless of Justin Rodsky. Going through the imagery of oh, no. writing to members supporting him. Do you reckon Craig Bellamy's gone, hmm, I'm really glad that uh, Justin Rodsky supported me in this mail-out to members. It's a very heartfelt letter to members supporting me. Mm, it's more than that. I might stay at the, the, Bronco, the Storm now as a result of this letter. You're, Seriously. You're missing it. They are in full-scale stay-with-us mode. He's unhappy. They're unhappy. They've got to show him till the day he's gone that they'll do anything they can to keep him, support him, and back him in. And if he's unhappy with News Limited and Paul Kent, well, sure as hell they are too. And, I reckon, and I reckon Paul Kent and Craig Bellamy, and I don't know their relationship, Pachi, but I reckon they would go toe-to-toe and respect each other for it. I don't think Craig Bellamy would actually care as much as what the Storm is. It's 101 of footy politics. The media's the common enemy. If you need to galvanise someone, galvanise them against the media. Even better, if you could pick one journalist, one journalist versus the clubs, a classic old tactic of clubs. Uh, Sheeds was the master of it in his time at Essendon, or even Goodwill well, people. <laughs> let's talk about you and Sheeds yeah. then, because so, when done, you were making your way into this incredible journey you've had through Media Hutch, just come back to, just, tell me, did this happen once? I oh, do you want to finish that topic? Yeah. All right. So, what have gone? Bellamy's up in arms. I've had enough of this. Enough's enough. Club's got to do something about it. Damn straight it does, says the new CEO, who's trying to just leave his stamp on things. Matt Tripp would be like, yeah, we'll go to war on this. Matt's a brawler from way back. He's and, a brawler. <laughs> and a beauty. And away they went. And... And off it went. And so they, they land the punch. They show we've nothing else. doesn't do any harm to their relationship with Bellamy to, to show them they're supportive. And they can kind of galvanise. And sometimes you get, a, you, know, you get a group coming together on the back of these things. At the Did you then tell, as part of that process, do you then tell, and again, because I was the subject of one of these situations last week in a, in a meaningless way written by, by someone who you know, had nothing else to write that day, do you then, as that club, and let's remove Storm, let's remove North Melbourne, do you then alert other media to complaint? Of course you do. So you, all of a sudden you go from nothing getting out of your club to like telling them point blank what's going on. I mean, in, <laughs> of course you do. In Robbo's column, he had the list of people whose calls hadn't been returned by Reshaw. He didn't ring all of those people and say, just confirming, uh, you've rang 
recently as an orangutan. Just confirming. He had a list of the specific names of people. That's that's placed information by How one person. How would you have got that, you That's placed information by one person. And so, of course, he's been briefed by North. And he's in, that's his role as a journalist. You should not begrudge that. And you're on the end of it. You should disagree with it. I don't it care about it. I, I could not care about that aspect of it. it. To me, it just highlights the fact there was nothing in that article. The fact that that was the only thing that people are talking about. And then I don't... I don't think the AFL are monitoring your column. Well, they're not because I've never once had anyone tell me what I can and can't write. But but I, if I'm if I'm north, I'm trying to create that perception as well. Like everyone's just doing their job here, and you are a stone. So, so you try and create that perception on behalf of who? Whom? You, you, yourself at the moment, or, the, or, or your members who are disgruntled for other reasons about your operations? At the moment, you're a stone in North's shoe. You are. You're you're a supporter of theirs who's regularly critical of them. I think they've got a few more stones in their shoe than whatever it is on I agree. Actually. I don't they, lost, they won one of their last 15 games last year and have, have lost their opening two this I'm year. I'm not saying you're even front of the sole or front of the pointy no, toe of the shoe. bit under the arch. Yeah, I reckon you're almost like little toe. That little arch, little crevice there between the little and the one next to don't it. Don't mention but, arch. But you are a stone in the shoe. And Glenn's a passionate guy, and if he's if he does have a view and Ben Amafio has a view, that's fair enough. They tried to bring you into the tent. It didn't work. They did the sit down with the mafia and an hour of like gratuity questions, and you haven't been you haven't been tent worthy. <laughs> you didn't even eat the coffee scrolls and the scones and cream they had on in the tent when you were there. You just came in did a puff piece. They thought, oh, that went pretty well. Yeah, he's just did a nice, cosy interview, and then you yeah. back out behind the sword, you're obs- firing shots again. You're obsessed with that interview I did with Benamafia. I've never known you to critique a piece of media like that in the, my not time of knowing you. Clearly, that one rattled you, Hutchie. There was obviously a lot of good content in that, and that's the fourth time you've referred to it. Because you've been so staunch on your criticism of the North. You left them at the front door for the Ben interview, and you picked them up on the way back out the door. You did a nice November, we're all a bit tired, puff piece interview. You did a cosy November, the season's over, we can all move on. And then come February, oh, I'm north, I'm going, hang on a minute, didn't we just bite this guy in for scones and jam and cream and do a sit-down with Ben? And now you're firing <laughs> shots again in February. No wonder they're leaking it to Robbo, saying... Leaking what's a Robbo? Leaving <laughs> the again? Oh, leaking incorrect information, if, if, if indeed that's the uh, where the information came from. I think you Back gotta, to- the moral of the story here is, if you're going to bring a journalist in the tent, make sure that he's comfortable in the tent. <laughs> you... you, you, you <laughs> You need a big per- you need tent- a ten person tent for two people. <laughs> you weren't tent worthy. <laughs> You're too much of a hater. All right, well let, let's sign off on the on the on that. But let's go back to I want to go circa circa nineteen ninety. Let's go ninety three or four. Either the year the Bombers won the premiership or the year after it. And, and you tell me if I'm wildly inaccurate with that timeline. Did you? Arrive at Windy Hill training one day where Kevin Sheedy asked you to come inside the room of the Essendon change room, the, the the sanctity of that room. There were 20 or 40 players about to go and train, the coach, a couple of uh, club officials, and you in the middle of the room where you were made an example of by Kevin Sheedy for supposedly revealing publicly and doing your job, by the way, very well, information pertaining to that club that Kevin said he didn't like. I'm reasonably certain we've talked about this before. Might have been Series 1 or 2. But since since we're regurgitating content already in Series 6, Episode 9, uh, here it is again. So, <laughs> yes, I, it was 97 or 98, maybe 97 of us forced to take a pick. So not either that late, okay, yep. And I'd written a few uncomfortable stories about him having a tough year. Um, he moved training to hide the fact they had some injuries. I had worked out when training was moved to and took a camera and sat in the grandstand to film it. He walked up during the training 
I hope this is consistent with the way I told it. Well, previously. I was going to say because uh, I've heard you, I've heard you tell <laughs> stories from the past with wildly different yeah. endings, beginnings, and and all, all sorts of other memories. My of it. Not what it used to no. be. Anyway, you just tailor it to whatever you. I left the camera be. rolling. We filmed Kevin annoyed come out on the grandstand. He said in in the change rooms after training, and I walked in to training afterwards. The players were there, and he basically spoke to them and said, "Any one of you who speaks to this guy." <laughs> will no longer be with us. Then I was invited into the back room, which was a little boardroom at the time, where they interrogated me like a, um, <laughs> like I'd been detained by detectives for 45 minutes. I sat at the end of the, customs. I sat at the end of a table. I reckon there was footy manager, coach, and one other, and they interviewed me. They interviewed me about so where they felt I was getting information from, and they brought other people in. Oh, to ask them in front of me whether they knew me. So this is the new lady of this story. You haven't gone down that path. So did this actually happen, or is this part of your storytelling now? The the, the interrogation post the the players part of it. That happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Danny, on a, I'm Danny, on a fallen short of admitting that in the earlier episodes, but okay. that that happened. Danny Corcoran would have been part of that uh, inquisition. I think Matthew Drain was the head of footy Matthew at the time. Drain. Well, you were mates with Matthew Drain. I think Matthew Drain was the head of footy at the time. Who I didn't know at the time, but okay. subsequently got to know well. Um, and. The late Bruce Reed was definitely one of those brought in to be interviewed. <laughs> so the doctors who, by in. the way, to, to, just to clarify any misconception on that I had no like any doctor would never tell you anything. So he was not one of the of the uh, suspects, but he was brought in to be asked an opinion of how I might be perceived to getting injury stories and who he thought around the club might be responsible. So, so were they naming names, players and officials on their own within their own operations who they suspected to be the people? Uh, no, and and nor was it. Yeah, you know how these things go. It's never one person, is it? It's not like there's a person in the corridor on the phone going. Oh. They always think it's one yeah, person at the time, do. don't they? The clubs always think it's one person. Yep. Um, by the way, um, I, I think from memory, I was then suspended for eight months, maybe after that. Banned. Yeah. From the club. Yeah. So basically, I wasn't allowed to ask a question at a press conference <laughs> or go to training or. So, and then not long after that, you're banned from. But in those days, you did get banned. Imagine in the workplace. How many bands do you do in your time? Oh, I don't ever think the word band was used. You just knew you weren't welcome, which yep. which is the same thing. But I the, you were warned off. I mean, it's like being warned off a racetrack. <laughs> in those days, you used to get warned off. <laughs> if you kept winning. Yeah. So yeah. who were you warned off from? You couldn't do it these days because there'd be too much. The communities moved too far the other way. But those days, you just get There were a few issues, actually, with um, even... And I, I love Robert Shaw, but there were a few issues even yeah. with Robert Shaw. He was a hot head, hot, yeah. head, hot head as a coach, wasn't he? There been, there was, there's always a... He was, was, was good content as a coach, though, wasn't he? There might have been a dozen bands from Dennis Pagan that lasted yeah. for, for two hours at some times and two months at others. No, I did two I did two bands with Dennis. I, yeah. did, I did two bands in... I did a five-month and a six-month, I reckon. <laughs> Five months and six. He months. actually announced we, we one day we broke bread. He announced the ban over one day. He actually called it into the. He called the end date as well. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he could get away with it too. David Parkin. What are you doing, son? You're banned here. David, You're off. David Parkin. He got over him, Parkin, didn't he? Like he'd have them, but yep. he then he just he always got over them pretty quickly. Which brings me to a point I raised briefly on footy classified last night. Who was the last non-hothead to coach an AFL premiership? <laughs> okay. 
Do you need to be a version of a hothead? <laughs> so you talk any... about the, the, these premiership barometers and these premiership yep. KPIs. To be any good as a coach, well, let's work backwards. You need to be. You need to have ten percent hothead in you, or ten percent. Well, Adam Simpson wouldn't be considered a hothead, but I have seen hothead in him, and and I'd say that quite. Uh, I'd, ex- I'd accept positively that. about him because I'd that. yeah. So he, he's so you got Hardwick, Hardwick, Simpson, Hardwick, Beveridge, well, hothead. <laughs> There's, there's, yeah. Clarkson Scott. Clarkson back to 15, 14, 13, back to 12. Longmire. There's hothead in Longmire. Only a, only a, a, yeah, a, yeah. a tinge. Oh, he oh, can no, go off like no, anyone. He can, yeah. <laughs> but, he, but he doesn't carry himself that way. He, he's a, he's a well-concealed hothead. Then you go back to Malthouse. Hothead. you got Scott, which is yep. a hothead. Yeah, Malthouse. Who's so, the last one? So, 09... That was uh, Thompson. Now, Bomber Thompson wasn't necessarily considered a hothead, but he could get people around him worked up on his behalf at that time, 2007 and 9. Clarkson, 08, hothead. At the time, Here we go. Here we go. Paul Roos, 05. There you go. So we're going back 16 years. I'm going to give you that, I reckon. I reckon that's the closest. Everyone's got an element of it, but... I think he's the closest. Like because Worsfold clearly was. <laughs> you couldn't call Ruse or Thompson by nature hotheads. No, they're more calmers than they are. Um, the others, I say this one, it's actually a compliment that we're paying them because you need to be. Oh yeah, it's a you need to have a dose of competitive fire in you to be elite as a coach and to demand that of others. Every supporting group would want their coach to be a hothead. I reckon, yep. it, particularly when it yeah, leads to you, success. You, you don't really connect to your coach unless they are. You're not a hothead, Hutchie, but I would argue you have hothead elements when I raise the name I'm about to raise. I've got to go. Dylan Howard. I'm out. So we're out of time. This has been The Sounding Board. And I raised Dylan Howard's name this week because I follow the New York Post online, as you do, and I'm sure you would have seen it, hoping I didn't see it, but I did see it. Headline, Dylan Howard's Empire Media, that's the name of his company, acquires 12 digital and print brands. Now, every time I raise the name Dylan Howard here, you you sweat, you get uneasy, you turn away from me. You actually, you don't, you don't even realise it, you actually turn your back on the microphone. And that's because of a legal letter that he sent that? you. <laughs> that's because of a legal letter that you wish I didn't know the contents of. About 10 or 11 years ago, after you had employed Dylan Howard under your media arm in the States, things didn't turn out, and there was a media a, um, a cease and desist, basically, to, along those lines, anyway, from Dylan Howard to you, whereby you cannot mention Dylan Howard's name publicly, Hutchie. And I reckon, I know that to be in the content of that legal threat. You, you peddle that story and it suits your argument, so I laugh along with it. Well, let's talk about him then. If, 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 you, if it's not in there, let's talk about him. You don't want to talk about him, though, do you? Look at you. You're having a sip of your coffee, which is empty. It was empty three minutes ago. <laughs> he is trying to be you by, by buying up media digital assets. I have, I've only just seen this as you passed it to me on the piece of paper. So he's acquired Empire, or his company's Empire, but he's acquired 12 digital and print brands. Yep. 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 And he's. What's he, wrong with that? He's got a. Um, I think it's fair to say he's got a checkered past. I mean, we've all got checkered pasts when it comes to what we do in media, but Dylan Howe's got a particularly checkered past. We don't need to go into that past at the moment, Hutchie, but you, you once were very close with Dylan and worked with him, and now he's uh, the subject of international media stories. What is it? What is the, they're just a bunch of statements. Is there a question coming? or well, I, What do you want to know? I think he's basing his new business model on, on you. He was, he was entrepreneurial long before I came along. He was already... In the in the early days of Darren Lyons' business uh, as a young chief of staff in London entrepreneurial, so that's he's always been. That's 
not inconsistent with how he has been for two decades. He, he knows the entertainment space well, and that's where he'll be piling his craft, and good luck to him. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just wanted to raise the name Dylan Howard in a well, topical you've got to have a better, sense. You've got to have a better strategy than no, that. No, but it was worth you it. You didn't because really think through where you're going to take it. Uh, well, you're but, relying on me to snap or react or bite, Well, you didn't have a I did game plan of how you're you, going to manage it. You drank an empty coffee cup because you thought it bought you Still half full, <laughs> McAfee. And you didn't really think through how you're going to construct that. You just thought you it was like a school kid running around. No, no, I fully am aware of that. But it was worth it, even just for me, just to see you. You could have asked, just to see you. You could have all really, nervous. You could have asked some cleverly crafted questions that put me in a precarious spot. But your, your journalism failed you on that occasion. Did Dylan and by Howard? By the way, I am writing to management to see if they will monitor you for your consistent use of this topic. <laughs> I'm going to get Heath O'Loughlin to draft it for me from the Kangaroos. <laughs> And get Justin Rosky to assist with how it's worded. Get it signed off by Arch. <laughs> oh, I love. You don't love it. I love. Which management? The management of your own station. <laughs> well, I'm, your sending, own... I'm sending it to our board. Actually, you're going to send it to yourself. You're going to send it to the CEO. And when I receive it, I'll be reviewing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be monitoring you ongoingly. COVID nineteen, Hutch. We we always knew from a sporting perspective and a life perspective when it's all said and done was was going to still be at play in 2021, despite us all hoping that the the horrors of 2020 were behind us. When it comes to footy, the Brisbane Lions are now uh, staying in Melbourne effectively indefinitely. They flew in for a game last week uh, with one set of uh, change of clothes, and now they're going to be here for two or three weeks. That's just the, the, the way things work now. I, I raise this in the context of the AFL decided to release a six-batch game of fixturing to yep. get the season going. And I, look, I think that's, that's a good idea. They kept the rest of the season, round seven through to 23, open. I think on the back of what's happened with Brisbane now, Hutch, I reckon we should now institute a policy whereby the fixture, and I know we've talked about this, but but let's now bring it forward and let's make it as of round seven this year, a rolling fixture no further in advance than three weeks. Yeah, that's silly. That's silly. You want everything to be perfect. You know, like one of those conservative journalists no, no, that needs no, no, no. wrapped in a, no, no, wrapped in a bow. No, but, no, but say you want it to be perfect. Per, 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 perfect is to have the fixture locked away till round 23. That's the AFL perfect. The world isn't perfect. What, what happened this week? Well, we've had to change a game of footy, Hutchie, if you haven't been aware. The, the game was being played in Brisbane. Yeah. It's now being played in Melbourne. And that's, no, no, historically, that is a massive story in the AFL. But, but it's just no, the blip it's on the a, radar right it's now. It's a no harm done move. So you have an indicative fixture. If, you know, this is where we think if nothing goes wrong, the next six weeks will be. If something happens, you react to it. And that's what they've done here. And No, I've, but as you know, the ramifications for one game being played at a certain place at a certain time have impact on so not, many other games. Not really. They do. It all works out. But when it comes to five-day breaks, when it comes to state borders, Hutchie, which you can't control. All insignificant. It'll work out. We've well, been it's not insignificant. We've got two teams I've rolled with it through this in, in Queensland forced out of that state already in this season. I've rolled through it through this NBL season where move, games are being moved all over the place. And it's it's remarkably normal when you get used to it. Like, it's... It's no harm done. What it, the only thing it has done is it's ruined their line of defence forever and a day on things that should get moved, right? Like the round yeah. one, the round one game, yeah. Essendon, Hawthorne, and Melbourne. Frio. That was just a known goal. It should have been moved. Those games should have been swapped. And the argument, oh, it's too late, it's too hard, whatever. They don't really fly anymore because you see the alternative and how easy it is. Yeah. So I, I think it's been it was well handled. Uh, just on the COVID stuff, uh, before we move off that, Damo, I know you want to get Jane's attention. Jane, just have a look at Damo. He's trying to get your attention. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Jane's trying to pull out the hot headline for the uh, promo, and uh, Damo's uh, uh, trying to get your attention. I'm having a conversation with myself. Everyone concentrate for a minute around here. <laughs> right. Well, I lost my train of thought. COVID, how is it that Brisbane 
Haven't been. Thank you, Jane. We're 36 minutes in, Hutchie. That's yeah. what I was trying to find out. <laughs> Listen, it's 8.13, right, on no, the clock? But you were late, seconds. as always, and I bought you a coffee, which you didn't well, need. We started tick after 7.30. Doing the maths on that ain't hard. And here's another drum, right? We don't have a, a time limit. You can finish the podcast when you damn well feel like it. I'm conscious of your time, Hutchie, because you can't get out of this building That's quick enough. That's you are. You're, you're trying to go to a time that doesn't exist. If you didn't know how conservative Damo was, he gives himself a time limit. Um, COVID. Yes. How is it that Brisbane haven't been tested since January? Haven't they? I haven't caught up with that. Chris Fagan said we got tested when we came back from mm. the summer in January, and we haven't been tested since. Just even for the optics, Hutchie, just to be tested once every what? two weeks. Just, just, just do it, and just so that you can say you've done it, and, and obviously do it, but say yes, we have been tested at, low, at some stage of the past two weeks. Low, low level community transmission in Queensland when they get on that flight last Thursday mm. to Melbourne. Yeah, we've got eighteen teams moving around freely among borders. Yep. Last year we wouldn't, we couldn't go to your letterbox without getting tested. Yeah. There was paranoia about testing. And what, did, what did you make of how, the... Just, 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 how have we suspended testing to this scale? Mm. How? I don't understand the, the, why they would... What is the problem here? What is the downside in testing everyone? Uh, there's none. I wouldn't have thought. Having been subjected to um, nowhere near as many as players... How many but, times did you get tested in the hub? Without putting a number on it exactly... It, 15 to 23 or 15 to 20 tests, right, in a hub? Well, at least that. At least that. And there was was no cases? Actually, probably more than that. There you go, yeah. And there was low to no cases in Queensland at the time? There were none. There were none. And now, in the next season, no one gets tested. Well, I'm only assuming that they're a a sample size of everybody else. Mm. How, How? I don't understand that. We're having three a week at one stage when we're up there, initially. How do you go from over-testing to no testing? I, I don't get that. Did you have a view on the fact that people within the crowd at the Cattery on Friday night had to leave the ground, and yet the 23 players who were also under the same, I suppose, provisions in being in Melbourne at the time were able to play a game of footy and breathe and sweat and do whatever else they do in a game of footy? Yeah, I mean, none of it makes... Didn't make a lot of sense, did it? I mean, you can hear the protocols and... It's a bit uneasy watching, just wading through that aspect of it. But you've got to make the conservative decision, don't you? Absolutely do. And yep. to play the game was the right decision, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yep. But but it would have been better to play it on the back of being able to say, our players have been tested at some stage of the past two weeks, yep. to your point. Yeah, I think that the story was they're under playing under COVID protocols, but they're not living under COVID. They're out in the community having lunch. And they're, they're, I'm, I'm fully accepting of that, right? Yeah. Go and live a life. And thankfully we can to a point. But... Get tested once or twice a week. Once a week, oh, even once every two weeks. Or maybe well, now, maybe now we've had a scare once a week. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, there's got to be some level of some level so, of some level of above, of above the normal, so to speak. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Question time, Hunchy. Oh. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. This week it's from Harry. It's on our email account. He's directed it at me, but he wants to uh, you to, to answer this. Can you ask Hachi why he does a double look on air when someone makes a point he doesn't agree with? It's a clever technique that he uses when a fellow panellist is speaking and he doesn't agree with what they are saying. He will briefly look back at the camera with a look on his face that says, are you for real, before looking back at the panellist. My guess is that he's trying to plant a seed of doubt in the mind of the panellists. Sachi, what's with the double look? Love the show. Thanks, Harry. You've, you've always had a view on the double look. <laughs> you've you, given me a hard time about this at the bar over the years. You, <laughs> you, you put these doe eyes 
look as though, what? <laughs> what, what, what are you asking me? And, and it does, I reckon it happens to you the first time, be it over a beer, be it over a live TV moment, it does disarm for the first or second time the person asking you the question. But once you know, as I now do, what I think you're doing. What do you think I'm doing? Trying to disarm. I, I, think, I think Harry is a very perceptive uh, observer of you on media. I'm giving, and I like what I'm giving Harry an emoji confused face at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. I'll, I'll let you form your own views. Hey, and, and Harry, just to your point, well done. You've actually identified something in Hutchie. And uh, the, the, the reaction he has, though, is next level when it comes to the words Dylan Howard. That that that, that doesn't get a double look. That by gets way, a quadruple look. By the way, can we all be, please be upstanding? Insert the sound effects if you can, Jane. A round of applause, Damo. Congratulations. <laughs> Winx has done it. Oh, yes. Nick McKenzie. <laughs> They won the Graham Perkin Journalist of the Year Award at the Quills again. I know you and your kids uh, were standing there um, at the bottom of the escalators at Crown. <laughs> Guard of Honour. <laughs> autograph book from the old North Melbourne days. Next to David Dench's autograph is and, Nick and McKenzie's. Keith, and Keith Gregg. And, and I rolled out the red carpet for him. And you were there clapping him up the escalator and you watched him as he sauntered up the escalator in that uh, way. <laughs> yeah. And the irony is Nick best caught himself where he said on stage... I never thought I'd be at Crown Casino being celebrated for taking down Crown Casino. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I've got no more words for that that, uh, that man when it comes to journalism, Hutchie. Now, I, I told you five years ago he was the best we'd ever seen. Your Crown Casino CEO is sitting in your office on Friday night late, yeah. and you've got to know that in your palladium, thousand-person room... You might have checked the calendar, so who's coming in to use the palladium person, tonight? Hey, Bunch of journos. What's going on in your office? You got, you're got thinking, the person that has single-handedly caused the most damage to our business in its history <laughs> is downstairs on a on a stage I built and funded yeah. he's, he's brought in a down, black tie suit, drinking brought, my champagne, being handed a trophy for his achievements in... Dismantling me. He's, he's How styling. are you feeling at that time? <laughs> he's ended almost forever the, the the Sydney operations of our of our arm. He has brought down our board. Our oh. Can you imagine the morning call of the Crown Exec Friday morning? Okay, let's go through tonight's events. We've got the Home Ministry Association Awards at 5.30. Should be a good event. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 6.15, we've got a cocktail party in the River Room. Yep. What was the first one? Home Association, was it? Home Ministry Association Home Awards. Ministry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Seven o'clock. There's the dental society, and, uh, and there's a quick meet and greet with the um, the council too, just to uh, might shore up. It might need you to pop past that. CEO. Yeah, yeah just pop in uh, at seven thirty. Got the Graham Perkins Journal. See you. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What's this quills? Hang on. Oh yeah, the journalists are coming. Oh, the journalists. I thought we'd agreed to keep them the hell away from Crown. I thought we'd agreed. Yeah. How many of them are coming? One, two, three. Eight hundred. Eight hundred. Next thing you'll be telling me, Nick McKenzie's coming. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've just seen that. <laughs> someone tell him. Someone tell him. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. Security got to stop him. We can't. No, he can't. He's going to win the bigger war. <laughs> he wins the main goal. What's, what story did he do? He, he takes. There's going to be photographers there taking pictures of him winning an award about us. <laughs> And in his speech, he's going to celebrate the fact that journalism lives and breathes, and he's going to bag us in his speech, and, and then our waiters are going to go and hand him a champagne. Hutchie, oh. Hutchie why didn't you start our show today with that? We wouldn't have gone through 41 minutes of this rubbish we've done. 
Nick McKenzie oh stood up in Crown on Friday night <laughs> with a with a Crown Casino funded flute of now, champagne. Now our listeners are getting an insight into this man. He knows he's on a roll now. He's at least got one person and maybe two in Jane laughing at him, and now he just goes to the next level. Keep keep going. The loudest sound in Crown on Friday night <laughs> was not the mahogany room. <laughs> It was not the sound of the pokies going but berserk and profit. It was 800 despised people saying, three cheers for Nick. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. And that was echoing in the corridors of the mahogany row that the execs sit in. If I'm the CEO of Crown, oh, you still I, go. Don't, I don't get through the night. You've got your sportsman's routine now. Keep, keep going. Keep going and close the show. We've gone 43 minutes. I think, Jane, how long? Yep. Keep going, Hutchie, and close it down. I'm done. Go on, give us one more layer of this Nick McKenzie story at Crown. One more. Nick's going to tell me he's on table one. He's on table one. Oh, turn it up. Not only that, um, we need someone to go and present. We're one of the low-level trophies. Going. What do you mean? We're sponsoring the young journalists of the year. We're giving out the trophy to find the next him. <laughs> and we need you to present it. <laughs> Just after that HIA meeting, can you, can you wander past the winner, winner, winner of the crown, young journalists of the year. Trying to find the next Nick McKenzie so we can dismantle our businesses. Drum roll, please. Oh, don't worry. Anyway, I actually hope other people find that funny because I do. Hussey, that's this has been episode nine of series six, and you should have stayed with that angle at the top, Hutchie. If you put some form of time into it before it starts, you might have put that up the top. I didn't even see it on the rundown till the, the end there. But uh, <laughs> anyway, imagine him. Imagine him saying, "Yeah, I'll go on the crown." Sound like a good night. Are you done? There's no angles left now. Hey, what, what about our uh, media and its uh, its independence? Right, we, we're unified in supporting Nick's denouncement of Crown, but we're all happy to go along to the event at the said venue <laughs> yeah. and accept our little awards. This has been the not a little award, it's a big award, a quill. They're hard to win, as we know. This has been the sounding board for drink wise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise with Nick McKenzie. I can't grab mine. <laughs> Get mine away, right? Are Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. (laughs) (laughs) 